may be seated as long as you promise to help me preach. The nature of the book of Psalms is wonderful simply because it's poetry and prophecy all at the same time. The book of Psalms is a book that we go to and we learn the ebb and flow of God's spirit. We learn that in living for God as we follow men like David that there are good days and there are bad days. We learn that there is a issue with a lot of people that, that they begin to turn away from God when they don't understand that life it just, like I said, it has an ebb and a flow. It has ups and downs. And it is one of the greatest places, in my opinion, that you can read about the never-changing yet always moving Spirit of God is in the book of Psalms. We can find life. We can find spirit. There is so much there that we can learn from. And it is easy to read through the book of Psalms and find the character of God. Everyone say that with me, the character of God. We find the character of God in Psalms chapter 103 as David boldly prints, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And David begins to list the benefits of God, understanding that his benefits are his character as well. And it is in Psalms chapter 103 that he is a forgiver. He is a healer. He is a redeemer. He is the lover of our soul. He is compassionate. And the result of his character is that my youth shall be restored like the eagles. I'm thankful to know his character gives me some benefits. We go beyond that to Psalms chapter 23, and we, we could do this all day, but Psalms chapter 23, it shows us his character as it shows us that he is a shepherd. He is a guide in dark times. He's a present help in trouble. He's the one that prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemy. He causes our cup to overflow, and he follows us all the days of our life. For surely goodness and mercy, how many are thankful for goodness and mercy? They're going to follow me, and I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We could go from there again, every psalm, from Psalm chapter 1 to Psalm chapter 150, and there are a lot of adjectives that describe him. As we talk about wonderful counselor and the mighty God and all of that, the Bible is full of things that describe God and describe his greatness. However, I will tell you that it is my opinion that here in Psalms chapter 147, 145, excuse me, that while David is writing. He gives the greatest adjective to describe the Lord. As in just four words, he says, and his greatness is unsearchable. Can I tell you that David is simply putting it into common language and saying, you can look high and you can look low, and nowhere will you be able to completely define the greatness of God. You, I, I liken the greatness of God to a mountain that you climb, and once you 
get to the pinnacle of that mountain, you find out that there's another mountain behind that mountain and it's taller and the greatness of God is over there. So you get to that mountain and you climb that mountain and behind that mountain you find that there's another mountain and it's taller and the greatness of God is up there and so likened is the greatness of God. David is saying that God's greatness is so unsearchable that no matter how far you look and how far you try to find him, you will never be able to completely understand how great he is. And so we use words like good, but good isn't good enough to describe him. Words like awesome are not awesome enough to describe him. Big is not big enough to describe him. Great is not great enough. Powerful is not strong enough to describe my great God. I've come to preach to somebody on a Sunday afternoon that whatever you think God is and whatever you need God to be, he is that and he is so much more. If you need him to show up in the middle of the night, he's a God that can show up in the middle of the night. If you need him to work on your family, he can work on your family. If you need him to fix your finance, baby, he can fix your finance. If your mind is messed up because of the world that you live in, I serve a God that is bigger than the messed up world. I got a God that's bigger than your depression. I got a God that's bigger than your anxiety. I got a God that's bigger than your prescription drugs. I got a God that is bigger than your addiction to alcohol. He's a great God and his greatness is unsearchable. Whatever you think he is, he's that and he's more. We've learned in our common day to do what David did. We started writing songs. I'm sure y'all probably singing around here. Songs like Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper. I might run the house. Light in the darkness. And the song says, and how true it is, that is who you are. But you see, you got to get the revelation that he's the God of unsearchable greatness. And so just because that's who he is, that doesn't mean it's all he is. So you can call him Jehovah Jireh, God my provider, but baby, that ain't all he is. Because sometimes you don't need a provider. Sometimes you need a healer. Jesus, I don't know where you are or what you're going through, but this crazy preacher from Mississippi come to tell you that God is everything that you need and more. God is... They used to sing it like this. He's a bridge over troubled water. He's my doctor and my lawyer. He's my friend when I'm friendless. My hope when I'm hopeless. Food when I'm hungry. Water when I'm thirsty. Everything. I come to tell some, he's money if you're broke. He's medicine if you're sick. My God's everything you need and more. And so because he's greater, when the enemy creates great bondage, God says, that's fine. I'll create greater breakthrough. 
When the enemy creates a great test, he's the kind of God that shows up and gives you a testimony that's greater than the test. When the enemy comes in and causes great grief, God says, I'll rain down greater glory. When the devil comes in and your friends walk away, he said, I'm a friend that sticketh closer than your brother. Friends might walk out. Family might walk away. But baby, God ain't going nowhere because he is a God that is great. I, I just feel this right now in the Holy Ghost. Somebody came in here today and religion has hurt you. And religion has left you feeling hopeless and helpless. Congratulations. You walked into a church that's not a part of a religion. It's a relationship. You walked into a church where it's an experience. You don't have You don't have to sign a church card. You don't have to shake a preacher's hand. You come into this thing by speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. And let me tell you, the Holy Ghost will do for you what religion can't do for you. The Holy Ghost will do for you what shaking a preacher's hand can't do for you. The Holy Ghost, it's real, it's real, it's real down in my soul. One of the most misquoted scriptures in our movement, Ephesians chapter 3. I listen every time I hear somebody quote the scripture. Pastor Mayo, they quote it wrong probably 90% of the times. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able, and this is how we quote it, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. That ain't what it says. It doesn't say exceedingly abundantly. Because to say exceedingly abundantly is speaking in synonyms. But it says exceeding abundantly. You know what that means? Greater than abundantly. He says whatever you can ask or even think, I can do it and more. I know you told me you were talking about building a a sanctuary that'll seat 2,500, but just let me tell you, we serve a God in Spokane that's bigger than just a 2,500 sanctuary. He's oh my katai all over the side of the Holy Ghost. He's so big that you can take an old ice skating rink and turn it into a sanctuary and outgrow it in a year because God is not an ordinary God. He's There's something about Jesus uh, that steps down and works. uh, And when he works, it's not just great. It's exceeding uh, abundantly. There's some parts of this that we don't like because, can I take my time today? Y'all got anywhere to be? Okay, good. I was going to take my time anyway. But there's some things about this that, this greater stuff that we don't understand. See, God doesn't always give us the full story. He just gives us a word. And what happens is when we activate that word, God gives us the next word. Living for God is not a destination, it's a journey. Every step you take, it's because I've heard from God. I'm going somewhere. And so I keep walking in that direction until God tells me to do something else. So we take men like Moses. Moses serves a God that is greater. God and Moses really got this cool thing going on because God speaks to Moses and says, throw down your staff. He throws it down. I can guarantee y'all, 
Moses wasn't no redneck. Because when I threw that staff down and it turned into a rattlesnake, he'd have got his head blown off. So he throws down the rod and it turns into a snake. And God says, okay, pick it up. And he picks it up. Woo, this is powerful. Never had anything like this. I've just been watching sheep all this time. I didn't know there was a snake here. I didn't know there was power in this. And God says, Moses, go down to Pharaoh's house and do that same little trick I just showed you. So he walks into Pharaoh's house because he's got a cool trick. And he throws down his rod and Pharaoh laughs. And he sends his sorcerers over there and they throw down their rods. And they turn into snakes. And Moses, I can just picture, y'all, I told you I've been held back a long time. I'm still in the primary class. He looks up and says, God, are you kidding me? I thought this was between us. Keep watching, Moses. Now, God, you didn't tell me that they knew the same trick. Moses, keep watching. God, I don't understand why you would let somebody have a form of church like we have church. Just keep watching, Moses, because that serpent's going to get over there by the real serpent, and I'm a God that's not going to let anybody match themselves to me because I'm a God that is greater. So you just keep watching because the serpent that you threw down is going to consume the serpents. that they, You said it, Bishop. I'm going to say it again. We're living in a day where everybody's trying to be spiritual in some form or fashion, but there's a serpent that was thrown down, and it was by... It was by a church. It was by God that was greater than the Super Bowl. That was greater than magic. That was greater than witchcraft. That was greater than false doctrine. Your church today, where the greater lives. You're in a church right now where the greater is coming up out of the ground. He's the God of unsearchable greatness. And so we... We can start, can I, can I tell a story? We can start with men like Abraham. Abraham, come out of the land of your fathers and I will make of thee a great nation. Abraham, I need you to leave the place you are. Can I preach to somebody right now? Don't worry about what society says about you. Don't worry about what your family says about you. Because God is not interested in where you are or where you've been. Yeah, you came to church today and you thought that because you were coming to a church where they preach holiness and they preach godliness that we were going to look down our nose at you. You are so sadly mistaken because we understand God doesn't care about where you are and God doesn't care about where you've been. The only thing we're interested in is where are you going? Abraham, are you willing to leave the land that you came from and go to the place that I'm calling you to? Because if you'll get up. I, I love how God does this. He says, leave the land of your father and I will make thee a father. You see, we got a lot of people in Pentecost that are trying to ride daddy's coattail to heaven. And they are spiritually dependent. God asked Abraham the simple question. Are you tired of being dependent? Then in order to get from being a dependent, you've got to become dependable even when you can't see anything. 
You, you've got to make the transition from your daddy's dependent of just having enough good, oh, help me, Jesus, I feel this right here, of having just a good enough good church from Sunday to Tuesday to keep you going through the, can I tell somebody today that God wants to pull you off the verge of your miracle, pull you off the edge of what he's wanting to do in this church, and he wants to get you in the middle of that, and the way that happens is you stop depending on brother so-and-so to start the prayer life, and you stop waiting on somebody else to start running the aisles. Uh, and you stop waiting on somebody else to start jumping uh, before you jump. Uh, you got to make the transition uh, and stop being dependent on everybody else uh, and make the journey uh, and say, I don't know where I'm going, uh, but I'm walking with a greater God. Uh, and God said, if I'll make this journey, uh, he'll make of me something great. So the story goes, Abraham grows older and he starts having children. And his first son's name is Ishmael. And I don't know where we got off on this Ishmael's curse business, but it's not Bible. The Bible says that Ishmael is blessed. He gets up, and I understand there, there, there's a whole other conversation to be there, have there with Abraham trying to go around God and all of that stuff. I get it. But Abraham is walking with God. And you have to understand the unsearchable greatness of God is from generation to generation. It's verse five or verse four of our text. Psalms 145 and verse four, it talks about it being from generation to generation. And so Abraham, this greatness stuff only works if you hand it down to the next generation. And it only works if the next generation is greater than you. See, we, we, we got a problem in Pentecost. We don't transition well. Can I, let, let, let's just be honest. Young, young people will sit and let the same elder do the same thing they've always done because the elder's been doing it. I'm preaching to some young people right now and telling you if this church is going to grow to its capacity, it's going to have to be because you figured out that God is wanting to bring the greater and he's wanting to do it through me. I thank God for my elders. I appreciate them, but they cannot take this where God wants us to take this. God is calling this generation. You ain't going to help me preach on a Sunday afternoon. God's calling this generation to stand up and be greater than Abraham. Ishmael is blessed, but God is not interested in average and ordinary Ishmael. Can I preach it like this? He's not interested in average, ordinary church. Some of y'all been doing the same thing for the last 20 years and then and, and you're still sitting there expecting something to happen. No, you, you need to let go of your Ishmael revival and reach for an Isaac revival. God is... God's trying to get you out of it. Well, it's comfortable. The Bible says that it grieved Abraham, Bishop. It's because God had given me this. This is the blessing I've been walking in. This is the revival I've been walking in. But Abraham, I can't give you Isaac, and you can't receive the blessing through Isaac until you put Ishmael in the wilderness. And so I'm going to have to ask you to sacrifice today's revival so that you can have more revival tomorrow. I'm going to have to ask you to lay down the blessing that you had today uh, so that I can get because in Genesis chapter 16 when it starts talking about Isaac it says that he grew and become great until he became very great 
God says, I'm not just interested in you having a good church. Listen, we've been having good church for 50 years in Pentecost and ain't nothing changed. I'm sick of good church. I'm sick of good church. Well, you get home and you, I, I don't know what y'all eat on Tuesday night after church around here. I don't, I don't know, in and out or whatever is up here. I, I live at home where we eat fried taters and black-eyed peas and cornbread. Woo, hey, my, I feel my help right now. That's what we eat on Tuesday night after church. Well, you go and sit down in the restaurant. We had good church. You don't need to have good church. Listen. Bishop, if I get in trouble, you just fix it, okay? Stop having good church. God has not called this church to have good church. God has called this church to walk in the deep places of the unsearchable greatness of God. And if you keep having good church, I can't take you to great. And if you get settled in great, then I can't take you to greater. Come on, somebody. God's wanting to do more. God. He's wanting to open up the windows and let more the unsearchable greatness of God be revealed. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Oh, that's a good hand clap. Somebody give him a great hand clap. It continues. Isaac grows. Isaac begins to have children. And God begins to speak to his wife. There are two nations in you. And honey, prepare yourself because this isn't going to make sense. Because the older shall serve the younger. Huh? God, it's not like that in our custom. God don't care about your customs. Well, that, that ain't how it works in our family. Listen, when you come, listen, I, I hear the term and I, I understand it's meant well, but we talk about multicultural church. There's only one culture in church. That's Holy Ghost culture. Now you bring me bring things from your ethnic group and that's fine. But when you come into here, there's only one culture and it's to praise him. It's to magnify him. It's to exalt him. It's to lift. Make his name great in all the earth. And so this, this story continues as, as God is looking. He's, he's revealing his greatness through the patriarchs. And as we walk through time, we see as, as Esau and Jacob are born. Now understand that there is a deal here because God knows the past from the future. And he said, and, and this is a whole other message for a whole other time. But he, he's an omnipresent God, meaning that he's in your past, he's in your present, and he's in your future all at the same time. And so because God is like that, he's sitting there and he understands and he gives a word to, to this mother that's sitting there getting ready to have children and says that the younger is going to be the greater over the elder. That don't make sense, no, but I know things that you don't. And Esau's a man of the field. Esau's like, God, forgive me right now for what I'm about to preach. Get me right so that I can preach this the way you gave it to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Esau's worried about the next big deer he's about to shoot. Help me, Lord. Esau's a man of the field. 
So when he lays down at night, y'all, turkey season's coming. He's thinking about that big old time walking through the hardwood. Brother Mark's about to run the aisles now. Right at daylight. Woo. I told y'all I feel my help. That's what Esau thinks about. But the greater doesn't come through people with earthly mindsets. When Esau lays down at night, he's thinking of things of the field. But when Jacob lays down at night, he's seen angels ascending and descending. And so the greater's not coming through people that are worried about what job they got or what car they drive or what house they live in or what kind of clothes they got or what kind of shoes they're wearing. The greater's coming through people that when they lay down at night, they're not thinking about another $100,000 added to their salary. They're thinking about another 100000 that they can add to the building. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, they're not, they're not thinking about what they can do in the earthly things. Uh, they're thinking about what they can do in heavenly things. Uh, and when God sees somebody like Jacob, uh, he says, that's somebody that greatness is going to come through. Uh, that's somebody uh, that I can pull destiny out. Can I tell you that there is destiny inside of you uh, that can only be found uh, when you get your eyes uh, on heavenly things? I don't have time to preach this all the way through, but that's why Jacob can show up at Laban's house and be broke, busted, and disgusted. But because he's kingdom-minded, by the time he leaves Laban, the Bible says that his sons will look at him and say, Jacob is greater than Laban. Why? Because Jacob is preferred? Nope. Why? Because Jacob did everything right? Nope. Why? Because Jacob comes from the right family? Nope. Why? Because Jacob knows all the right things to say? Nope. It's because he let the greater be revealed inside of him in a heavenly dream, and he started reaching for those heavenly things saying whatever I got to do I want greater whatever it takes I want more if I got I'm I'm, I'm about to say it y'all ready this is a cuss word sometimes in Pentecost if I got to fast more I'll fast if I got to pray more I'm more worried about the greater If I gotta give more, I'm more interested in greater. If I've gotta worship more, I'm more interested in greater. If I've gotta outreach more, I'm more interested in greater. I, again, I don't have time to preach this all the way through the Old Testament, but I could. So let me just skip to the New Testament. In the book of John chapter four, Jesus I don't know if y'all ever heard of that guy. He's a pretty cool guy. He's kind of a big deal. He shows up at a well, and there's a woman sitting at the well, and he asks her for something to drink. And when he asks her for something to drink, listen, I'm not making this up. It's in your King James Version Bible. The first thing she says is, aren't you supposed to be a racist? That's Bible. What do the Jews have to do with the Samaritans? I wish Congress would call me. I can fix this racism problem. We just need more Holy Ghost. Because it don't matter if you're white or you're black or you're yellow or you're red or you're purple or you're pink with yellow polka dots. The Holy Ghost is for you. 
to every nation, to every nation, to every nation. I'm going to say it till you get it in your spirit. To every nation, to every tribe, to every tongue. There's a problem. What she didn't realize is there was one that was greater than racism that was sitting there that said all this culture said, listen, I live in the most racist state in the United States of America. And it's beyond that. I live in the southern part of that state. I live in South Mississippi. But can I tell you that right now in South Mississippi that is getting poured out on whatever color that'll just show up in the house of God? It's almost like God was bigger than all that or something. It, it, it's almost like God had this all figured out before we started meddling and trying to mess it up. It's almost like God knows what he's doing. If you drink of this water, listen, do you have, you don't even have water to pull or a, a cup to get something out of this well? He says, listen to me. He says, if you drink of this water, you're going to thirst again. And, and, and she looks at him and says, are you greater? It's in your Bible. It's John chapter 4. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? And I can see Jesus. Now listen, I, we had this conversation yesterday. I don't care how y'all see Jesus. I can see Jesus. Jesus was a man. Jesus was a little bit of a smart aleck. Don't believe me? He gets on the he gets on the mountain with Satan, and and Satan looks at him and says, "If you'll bow down before me, I'll give you all this." And he says, "Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God." Did you catch it? He says, "Recognize who you're talking to. I made you. You can't give me this. I created you. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Take that, devil." And, and, and so I see Jesus kind of chuckling a little bit in John chapter 4. Are you greater than Jacob who gave us this well? <laughs> Honey, before Jacob was, I am. Before Jacob's grandpa was, I am. Am I greater than Jacob? I created Jacob. I formed him in his mother's womb. I separated him from his brother Esau. I gave him a name. You better betcha I'm greater than Jacob. You... What are you trying to tell me? If you drink of this water, what water? The water of the Spirit. The water of the Holy Ghost is translated to us. The water of speaking in other tongues. As the Spirit gives the utterance, you will never thirst again. In case you didn't get it the first time I said it a few moments ago, if you're here and you don't have the Holy Ghost and you see us jumping and dancing, it's because we found something greater. Yeah, yeah, look, let, let me, they don't believe me. I can tell they don't believe me. Anybody here an ex-alcoholic, raise your hand. So they've been to the same clubs you've been to. Anybody here an ex-drug addict, they've taken the same drugs you've taken. But guess what? You're not going to find them down there no more because they found something. I said they found something. 
they found something that you could still get drunk but get up without a headache. They found something you can still get high, but you don't have to get. I wish somebody believed what I'm talking about right now. There's something greater. There's something greater in this house, and it's for you. Can, can I have like, Pastor Mayo, can I have like 10 more minutes? I promise. I'm trying to quit. I'm trying to quit. I, I'm, the longer I preach, the longer I preach. It just happens that way. But, but it, it continues. It keeps going. As a matter of fact, remember, now, again, this is, a big, this is a big, big piece of information that I don't have time to go into it and hash it all out. But just ride with me on this, okay? The greatness of God, God in general, everything about God can be found in creation. And so there's this deal about God. God's got a little bit of an ego. Don't believe me? Again, I can tell y'all looking at me like I done fell off a mule. But this is the truth. If you don't believe it, read scriptures like, I am a jealous God. I am God and beside me, there is no Savior. He said, I looked around up here in heaven, didn't see anybody like me. So I'm not going to share my praise and I'm not going to share my glory with it. God's kind of into God a little bit. And, and because I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but let me just tell you a little secret about God. God's best miracle will never be the one he just worked. Because there's an evolution of, of the miraculous that God works from great to greater to greater to greater. You find it in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but that wasn't good enough for God. So God started making stuff like lights and firmament. And in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 16, it says he created two great lights. The greater to rule the day and the lesser to rule the night. And I know what you're thinking, preacher, I got you now. So you just said that God never works in reverse. But his best miracle is always the next one. He never works a good miracle and then works backwards. So why would he create the sun, the greater, and then create the moon, the lesser? Will you answer me a question? Why in Genesis does it read, and the evening and the morning was the first day, and the evening and the morning was the second day, and the evening and the morning was the third day, meaning that God started with the lesser and worked towards the greater. And this doesn't make any sense because we know that the job of the moon is to reflect the light of the sun. But you can see this come to fruition in John chapter 1 where the Bible says that there was a man sent from heaven whose name was John who was not the light God, I love this stuff. But he was sent to bear witness or reflect the light. Here we see creation all over again. And what God is showing us with John and what God is showing us with the moon and the sun, John reveals to us when he begins to talk and he says, I've done some cool stuff, guys. I've baptized. I've come out of the wilderness preaching. But there's one coming after me whose shoes I am not worthy to untie. And he will baptize you with he's going to give you something great greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world 
And it don't stop there. It gets better. In Matthew chapter 11, and I think it's verse 11, Jesus is teaching. His disciples are fighting. They're over there pulling ties and biting ears. Which among us is the greatest? And Jesus stops them. And he says, from the days of all the prophets until now, there hasn't been one greater. There hasn't been one greater than John the Baptist. But I say unto you that even the least, that was me, even the least. Yeah, you came out of your dysfunction. Your family was broken. You came from the wrong side of the tracks. You were an addict. You were no good. But you came into the kingdom, and God looked at you and said, even the least is greater than John the Baptist. And then he would go on to say, and these works that I do shall ye do. And even as... I'm just going to have to stop. Musicians, y'all get up here. Because if you get into this stuff, you can't help but preach all day. (laughs) Even his first miracle is revealed, the greatness of God that continues. He shows up at a wedding, and his mama says, they don't have any wine. Mama, it's not my time. Just hush, boy. Do what he says. Okay. Go get some water. They go get water, and they pour it out. And it's water to wine. We lose our brains about that. That's awesome. But that ain't where the miracle is. The miracle is because the identity of God that never works his his best miracle as his last miracle is revealed. Because there's this chief sitting up on top of his high throne of the wedding. And he takes a sip. And he takes another sip shakes his head and calls for another glass. And he stops him. And he don't even know it, but he's prophesying. He's prophesying the same thing that Haggai chapter 2 would prophesy when he says, and the glory of this latter house shall be greater than that of the former house. And he looks at them and he says, every wedding I ever been to, they always put the weakest wine out first or the best wine out first. And after everybody gets real good and drunk, they start putting it, watering it down and, and, and they start giving you lesser stuff. He said, but when that guy showed up, all of a sudden you saved the best for last. What's up with that? I'll tell you what's up with that. God was revealing his identity of my greatness never ends. I'm done. I'm done. Y'all, somebody come saying something. But you, you could preach at the first Adam and the second Adam. Second Adam's greater than the first Adam. There's so much good stuff in the Bible. Boy, that Bible's got some stuff in it, don't it? But it's, it, there's something here that really caught my attention. A while back ago, when reading Psalms chapter 145. See, we, when we read the book of Psalms and we start talking about praise, where do we go when we get to the end? Psalms 150. But there's this thing in scriptural study called context. Meaning that you can't read Psalms 150 without reading Psalms 145 first. Am I counting right? I know I'm from Mississippi, but... Is that how y'all count 145, then 150? And in Psalms 145, it says his greatness is unsearchable, meaning it's ever-expounding. It's, it's ever-growing. 
Now, we get to Psalms 150, and we start shouting about symbols and, and organs, and I love all of that, and let everything that hath breath. But I think we skip over one of the most important scriptures when we say, praise him according to his excellent greatness. Now, if Psalms 145 says his greatness is ever-growing, meaning that God is greater now, and now, and now, and now, and I am commanded according to Psalms chapter 150 to praise him according to his excellent greatness. Doesn't that mean that there should never be a service that I praise him less than I did the last one? Because he's greater this Sunday than he was last Sunday. Oh yeah, I can tell. Some of y'all think that's real cute, but I'm trying to preach you into a place to where you understand God's not calling you to play patty cake church. He's greater today, so he's worthy of a greater praise. He's bigger today, so... I wish somebody would tear out of their pew and give a greater God a greater praise. I know you ran, but... I know you shouted. I know you already danced. But he's greater now, and he's greater now, and he's greater now, and he's greater now. Hold on. So many of y'all right now, I've been doing this a long time. Y'all quit for just like two minutes. Y'all waiting on them to play your favorite song. But he's greater whether I got music or not. did you praise him last Sunday with the music should not compare to how you praise him right now without it. How you praise him last week should not compare to how you praise him now because he is greater now and he's greater now and he's greater now. God is great and greatly, greatly to be praised. Is that all you got for a greater God? Is that all you got for a God that saved you? Is that all you got for a God that... However big your bondage was, I, I dare you to give God that big of a praise right now. They're going to sing in a minute, but I'm waiting on somebody. God's waiting on somebody that wants a miracle that'll step out and say, I know everything around me says no. Everything tells me to quit, but I'm going to praise him because he's a greater God. Somebody that ain't jumped all year to start jumping. Somebody that ain't ran all year to start running. Somebody that ain't danced all year start dancing. Somebody give God praise. Somebody praise him according to his excellent greatness. 
Oh, praise him because you're still standing. Praise him because you're still here. Praise him because you're still in your right mind. Praise him because he's been good.